Hi everyone, I'm Diana Silva. In this week's episode, Shaylee Christian and I interview our head copy editor and columnist at the Fordham Observer, Emily Ellis, to tell us about her new column, Ask Em. She discusses the scoop on what giving dating advice is like, answers a couple of questions for our listeners on relationships, sex, and what it's like to date in our society today. Grab your pen and paper, doodle some hearts, and jot down some notes as we delve into Emily's world of dating advice. This is Retrospect, the official podcast of the Fordham Observer. We would like to welcome head copy editor and dating connoisseur slash columnist at the Fordham Observer, Emily Ellis, onto the podcast today. Emily, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, well, we're so excited to have you on the podcast today. So why don't we start off? Tell us how you are, what do you do at the Observer, and how you got into it. I'm doing good. <laughs> like Diana said, I'm the head copy editor for the Observer, so I work on a lot of grammar stuff with the awesome copy team. And I also have a column called Ask M. So if anyone ever has any questions about dating, uh, romance, love, sex, I'm your girl, um, you can submit them to the opinion section of the Observer and I will take a shot at some of them on my column, which comes out once a month on the Observer. That's awesome, Emily. So <laughs> that's so cool. Uh, so. Yeah, like as you said, like this year you created uh, the column called Ask M for the Observer. Uh, tell us a bit more about what your column is about. Yeah, so anybody who knows me knows that I'm like obsessed with love and dating. It's like all that I talk about. I read romance novels an incredible amount. That's pretty much all I do every night before I go to sleep. And I write a lot of romance novels too. I actually write a lot of paranormal romance novels. So I'm kind of obsessed with this idea of love and dating. I consume a lot of media and entertainment related to love and dating. So when I was thinking about something that I wanted to write a lot about, love and dating was what I settled on. It was what I felt like I had the most to say about. And that all started because I wrote a piece for The Observer um, advocating for people to stop insulting paranormal romance because a lot of people have a lot of thoughts. I've heard so many werewolf jokes in my lifetime. It's insane. So I was just trying to defend paranormal romance a little bit. And I realized that it was something I could talk about all day, every day. So I decided to force everybody to listen to all of my opinions about love and dating all the time. Yeah, I love that. Um, and like you <laughs> said, there's a, there's a lot of content out, out there about love and dating. Um, so did you have like a vision for how you wanted your column to go? And also, what's your favorite part about doing all this and getting all these questions? Yeah, I really wanted to build something that people felt like they could ask their questions and not be judged or shamed, where I know a lot of people, especially in college right now, people are at different stages in their dating life or different stages of coming to terms with like love and dating and their own thoughts about it. So I wanted people who um, felt very like centered and secure in their dating life and people who were more insecure, had a lot more questions to both feel welcome. And I think especially in a college environment, people are very quick to turn around and be like, oh, like you don't know that? Or like, oh, why would you stay with someone like that? Or that's a bad idea. Or don't go on a date with him. Or people just have a lot of opinions and they're vocal about sharing them. So I wanted them to have kind of a neutral space where someone who 
doesn't really know too, too much about them or the situation because all I get is the little blurb that they send in, um, can just give my thoughts. And I found that a lot of the time as I'm writing, I'm really trying to be empathetic to the situation that the person is in because it's very difficult as a college student to, to date and to try to find love and to navigate having sex with people. It's complicated and it's messy and it's very emotional. And I think that often advice columns lose that emotional aspect to it. Um, so I wanted to make sure that my column was really centering people's emotions more than, not more than their rationality, but at least equal with their rationality and not discounting people for feeling a certain way about, you know, is it too early to have sex with someone? Or am I approved for not wanting to have sex with someone? Or is it weird that I don't want to date someone? Or is it weird that I want to date this person and not this person? Like just really centering empathy, I think was my main core mission. If that answers the question, <laughs> I think I forgot the second half. Yeah, no, that, that's pretty much it. It was just like also yeah, what do you like about it? And I think that you definitely address that. <laughs> yeah, it seems like you're really passionate about it and like the empathetic aspect and looking for a balance and being able to navigate, not just giving advice, but also kind of just being a personal experience for you and something that you're really passionate about and enjoy talking about and writing and reading about. <laughs> do you feel like this just isn't a column about just giving advice, but also like a learning experience for you, as you mentioned before, Dating in college isn't easy. Building relationships isn't easy. Um, we live in a world full of technology now where there's dating apps and whatnot. So it makes everything a little bit more complicated. So is this a learning experience for you as well? And just tell us a little bit about that. Oh, 100%. Because like, like everyone knows I've made my fair share of mistakes when it comes to dating. So I, I like to think that I, I knew a little bit, but seeing everybody's questions and the things that they are confused about. There is so much to it that I don't know and I don't understand. And that's equally as fascinating for me to try to process, I think. So a lot of the times as I'm working on stuff, I like go and I'll ask my friends and I'll be like, what do you think about this? Or like, if you were in a situation like this, what would you do? So I think it it's inspiring a lot of conversations, at least personally in my life with a lot of people that I know and love. I know some of you guys have been on the other end of some of those questions sometimes, so you know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't think anybody knows everything about anything, let alone something as emotional as like dating and love. So I'm trying to, trying to learn as much from everybody else from an advice columnist position, which I guess is already a position of assumed authority, but I, I'm constantly amazed at the questions that people have and my inability to answer them as much as I try. I'm glad to hear that, Emily, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> um, no, that's great. Uh, so yeah, uh, finally, where do you see the future of this column going and what are some exciting things you have planned for the column itself? Yeah, I really want to encourage more people to submit questions. A lot of the questions that I've got have been from you know friends and people that I know reaching out and giving me something to work with, but I want the whole Fordham community at large and even outside the Fordham community to feel like they can submit questions um, anonymously. It's completely anonymous. No names are attached to anything. Um, so that's my main goal. I think in the next few months as I work on the column is building up um, the base of people who feel comfortable enough to submit questions and who read 
the column every month, building that reader base is really important. Um, and as far as plans go, I will say I have a long list of questions to tackle. So a lot of consistent content is going to be released. So stay on the lookout for those articles. Well, I'm happy you said that because we actually have a couple of questions <laughs> if, you <don't, laughs> if you wouldn't mind answering them for our listeners. Love nothing more. So yeah, uh, the first question, uh, dating nowadays seems to revolve around technology. Dating apps seem to be the most popular way of meeting people. What are your thoughts on like dating apps in general? Like, do you think it takes away from the meaningful connection that like sparks between two people? I think dating apps are a tool and it depends on how you use them. Um, I have a lot of friends that are heavily opposed to dating apps, would never ever download one or make an account on one. Personally, I've been on and off dating apps for almost two years. I use them a lot. I think they have a lot that they can do. I think walking in to a dating app, there are ways that you can do it intelligently. And I think that that's what people should be aware of, right? Walking into a dating app, you probably don't want to include your last name. You probably don't want to give out any personal information that people could use to find you. If you ever meet up with somebody, it's probably important to FaceTime them before you meet them so you know that they're not catfishing you or creepy, even in a more general sense, and always send people your locations when you're going on dates. I think there's a whole culture around it now and how to be safe on dating apps that as long as you are aware of those rules, you can do all right on dating apps. I know I've had a few failed first dates from dating apps. I have a lot of funny stories from dating apps. I've had a few people who I've been on multiple dates with from dating apps, and I've legitimately enjoyed most interactions I've had with people from dating apps. So I don't think it takes away from that. However, I think it's also important to know, this is a bit of a long-winded answer, but I have a lot of thoughts on dating apps, apparently. Um, It's also important to know that there are a lot of people that are on dating apps that aren't looking for anything really specific. Um, A lot of people walk into dating apps and think like, oh, I'm going to find my husband on here, or like, I'm going to find my next hookup. And everybody has different motives for downloading a dating app. So to be on a dating app for a while, to not get a lot of matches, or to only match with people who are looking for hookups, it can feel very demoralizing. And like, why am I here? I should give up. There's nobody good on here. Um, And I don't think that's the case. I just think communication is key on a dating app. And one of the first messages that you should send with someone is what are you looking for on here? Because there are so many different possible answers to something like that. So just knowing yourself and what you want before you get on a dating app is also crucial. Like, hi, I'm Emily. I am 21 years old. I'm looking for a relationship or to see where something goes, not interested in hookups. Just even a short disclaimer like that can make all the difference in the people that you're interacting with on a place like a dating app. So like, yes and no, it's just a very, interesting space to navigate. I enjoy it profoundly. I have a lot of fun. I've met a lot of awesome people. I have a lot of people that it didn't work out with that I'm friends now that I love very dearly. Like it's, it can be a very fun and exciting space. It's just not necessarily always the safest space. So true. And I love the (laughs) fact that you touched on culture and dating apps because a big thing on there is hookup culture, right? So How would you define hookup culture nowadays and how does it negatively impact people uh, and their perceptions of what counts as a relationship? Because a lot of the times people are confused about 
what constitutes uh, the talking phase or different stages in the relationship. Um, and so how do you think the stages also affect uh, defining a relationship? Yeah, I think a lot of hookup culture is kind of obsessed with this idea of stages where it's like you meet someone and then there's the talking stage and then there's the dating stage and then there's like the exclusively dating stage and then there's, you know, a relationship as kind of the last stage. And I think that every relationship moves at its own pace, obviously, and some people are going to get all the way to the end and some people aren't. It's an experience that is centered around you and the person that you're with, and that's it. And prescribing to this idea of stages can be painful and harmful to the well-being of your relationship, but at the same time, it can also tell you when to get out of something that isn't working for you. So I think connecting that to the idea of hookup culture is that we're in a stage, especially in college, where sex isn't its own stage. It's just something that can fit in at the talking stage or the relationship stage or the dating stage. And it's really up to an individual person where they feel comfortable falling into that. And I think that that's where things get problematic is because most people that I know who have been upset with something not moving fast enough between the stages, it's because they expected sex to move things forward. And I think that's that's the danger of hookup culture is that some people view sex as this thing that's fun and that they want to do and engage with with someone. And other people are like, oh, we had sex. Now that means that we're exclusive. And I think that's a center of conflict for a lot of people with hookup culture, which is another thing that ties back to communication before you enter a physical relationship with someone having the conversation of like, what does this mean to you? Where does this lead? Because a lot of people just like having sex and they'll have sex and not expect anything from it. And there's a lot of people that will have a sexual relationship with someone and then assume that that is going to lead to a further emotional attachment. And that's also not always the case. So hookup culture in combination with that idea of stages is where things get problematic. I know personally, I think I definitely prescribe to the idea that there's stages and I get upset when things don't move the way that I think that they should. But I think that aligning yourself with this idea that, you know, I've known this person for this long, so we should be here. Or, you know, I haven't known this person that long, but I've already decided to have sex with them and I feel comfortable enough with them to have sex with them. So we should be here is where problems arise. I totally agree. I think one of the biggest points that you brought up was communication. I feel like being completely transparent with someone you're interested in having something with, whether it could be casual or whether it could be serious. I think defining the level of seriousness or casualness that you want to be with a certain person is very important because that's when things tend to get really messy and then people end up getting upset and hurt and it just ends up being toxic. And so you mentioned the talking stage and how there's like a time limit for each person. Personally, like what do you think or how long do you think the talking stage should be? Yeah, great questions. (laughs) I think I don't want to give a definitive answer for how long a stage should be because everybody moves at their own pace. I do think, though, that before entering into something exclusive or committed with someone, you should know them for at least three months, just because if you rush into something super serious right away, you're going to inevitably end up in a position where you really don't know that much about them. And that's just going to lead to more 
more pain and confusion later on. So I think a minimum of three months of a talking phase is I think very important. That being said, you know, a talking phase can be as long as you want it to, depends on what you're looking for. If you're just looking for something like friends with benefits, or if you're looking for a relationship, that's something where the talking stage, in my opinion, would be different lengths. When do you think it's appropriate to be able to post your significant other or the person that you're seeing on social media? And what are your thoughts on that? Like, what do you think this pressure that's linked to being able, do you think like it should be more private or is it like, it depends on the person, like your thoughts on just social media and relationships? Yeah. I mean, it totally depends on the person, but personally, (laughs) in in my opinion, I think um, social media can be a really fun way to interact with relationships. I know I have a lot of people that like soft launch or hard launch relationships on social media, and that can be really fun and entertaining. And as someone who Instagram stalks people all the time, I definitely fall for it every time. So I love people who do like the little holding hands post, but they won't tag anybody or like little hints or like teasing stuff I think is really, really cool. Um, But I've also known people who have been in like some of the healthiest long-term committed relationships I've ever seen, and they've never posted or even taken a single picture together. Um, So very, it doesn't have to be a performance and it doesn't have to be a show. And at the end of the day, that's what Instagram is. But I think if you feel like you're in a position where you're comfortable sharing the fact that you're in a relationship with the general world, it can also be just a really fun kind of game or a way to interact with people and see like who's invested and who's not I know I enjoy watching people like soft launch or hard launch relationships so there are people out there that do enjoy it definitely think the little cute like no tagging things like that's like really cute or like when you post food with someone and you see like one hand the general public like who doesn't care like they won't notice it but I've had people where I've gone out with it doesn't even have to be like significant others it could just be like going out with a friend And one of my friends is just hilarious. Like she'll literally DM me within 30, 40 seconds and be like, that's a man's hand. What are you doing? (laughs) It's fun, right? Like it's, I mean, it's, it sucks to say that like I'm entertained by other people's love lives, but if I can't have my own, I can live vicariously through someone else. I am the exact same way. I'm consistently entertained by them. I think they are so fun. And I'm like, I'm the person who DMs my friends. I'll be like, who is that? Why didn't you tell me you were talking to someone? I'll call them. I'll be like, where are you? Names and details, please. It's almost like marketing your relationship. (laughs) Intrigue. And you're right. Like it is only the people who care about you that are going to pay that close of an attention to your story anyway. So it's a very fun way to interact with your friends I think it can be but I totally respect people who have no interest in putting their relationship on social media like that is also incredibly valid yeah uh on along the lines of um like the like the talking phase and like the posting on social media and everything like what are your thoughts on like the negative sides of this like ghosting or like when can that be applicable yeah I think the bad thing about the stages is it sets expectations too and I think that ghosting kind of fits into that Um, a controversial opinion, but I do think it's okay to ghost people if it's in like some of the first few weeks, or if you met them off a dating app and they're giving you weird vibes, like to just block them and not interact Mm -hmm. with that anymore. Like in terms of your safety might be the best option sometimes. But I think if it's been like over a month of talking to someone and there's this expectation of an emotional attachment, ghosting is incredibly 
painful. And I mean, I've been on dating apps. I've been ghosted. I've ghosted people. It's part of how that works sometimes. But I think when it, when you genuinely form an emotional attachment with someone through talking to them, ghosting is probably one of the worst things you can do to them because you don't give them that sense of closure that they really need. And I know I've been left thinking before, like, what does this mean? Are they going to reach out again? And it ends up taking up so much of my thoughts that I feel like I need to reach out. Like it, it builds this sense of, I, I don't know where this stands. Why did this end? I just have all these questions that I need to answer. And I think that's what ghosting does. And in a weird sense, I think if you want to end something with them and you never want to talk to them again, ghosting is going to cause the opposite because it's going to cause them to be like, well, why did they do that? Why aren't they talking to me? What did I do wrong? So I think honestly, easier than ghosting is just sending a text. Like I'm not feeling this anymore. It's been nice talking to you. I hope you have a great day, right? Like that, that ends the questions that ends everything. And then you're pretty much ensured that you won't have to interact with them again. So ghosting is bad unless you need to be safe and then it's good. Yeah, for sure. And I think it also helps like both of you move on where if you're ghosting someone, you probably moved on a lot faster than they are because they're still almost pining for the end of the relationship. So I think it makes it harder on the other person. But you're right. Totally a safety yeah. thing as well. Yeah. And I have like two friends, two guys that I met on dating apps that just didn't work out. And there ended up being a text sent like that at some point. Like, you're really nice. I just don't know if I see this going that way. And now we're legitimately very good friends, because if you have that conversation, and you communicate that early enough, you're able to build other connections to them that aren't romantic that can be fulfilling in different ways. And this next question is a little controversial. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> but what are your thoughts on astrological signs and do they have an effect on compatibility and how people connect? Ooh. Um personally, I don't really prescribe to astrological signs. <laughs> so I don't think it has an impact. I completely respect the people though who use it as a means of determining whether or not they think they'd be compatible with someone because it can, it can work if you pay attention to it and if you believe in it. I've just personally, I'm uneducated about it completely. I don't know enough about it to know anything. But Diana, what are your thoughts? This is a hoax. I've been set up. <laughs> <laughs> Diana was actively shaking her head as you were <laughs> I personally think that I get it. Some people like don't really know a lot about astrology. I love astrology. It's something that I love looking into and I love reading people's charts. Like if you listen to last week's episode, you'll know that I love charts. <laughs> so if you haven't listened, go give that a listen. I think astrology it it could be like a like it's a cute little thing saying like, "Oh, he's a Virgo." Oh, gross. But <laughs> I think it could also be kind of like a spirituality kind of thing and something that you can kind of connect with someone if they're also interested in that. So it could be like a level of interest. I feel like sometimes for the most part, maybe it's just me, but every person that I've talked to that hasn't worked out has been a certain sign. And I've just been like, can't do that. It might just be a coincidence, but I don't think it is. <laughs> I will say though, I have been talking to people and if I find out that our signs are compatible, I'm like, oh, that's, that's fate. Like I, I tend to believe in it when it works in my favor and not if it doesn't. 
So that's definitely my own fault. Yeah, I think I do that too. When it works in my favor, like I'll be like, I knew I liked this person for a reason or I knew this was going to work out for a reason. I think when you first start seeing someone, anything that will validate the fact that you have a strong connection will be like incredible music to your ears. (laughs) And I think sometimes for some some people, astrology is like that. And it's nice because it really opens up your mind to how like you talk to certain signs but it could also be a bad thing because if you decide to like not talk to someone because they're a certain sign that could also be a bad thing so like that's the bad thing about like just linking things to astrology it could limit your like possibilities and your options but I personally love it (laughs) (laughs) that's so fair I feel like I I wouldn't hold it against someone if we weren't compatible but if we were compatible I'd be like hell yeah I knew it and the stars do too (laughs) yeah no astrology is my thing like I love astrology I will forever stand by it I will always hate Libra men and Cancer (laughs) men I'm so sorry if you're a Libra man or a Cancer man listening to this I'm sorry oh I'm so sorry Christian (laughs) (laughs) I have an astrology question is it a good thing to be Aquarius woman I love Aquarius woman one of my really good friends is an Aquarius woman okay bet she's like <laughs> the thing with Aquarius women is like they're low-key like very scary people because like they're very like like very upfront like they don't care like they're brutal true I live with Emily and she's terrified <laughs> <laughs> she's so scared for my life right now <laughs> that's the joke is that before anytime we fight with each other we say I'm gonna kill you in your sleep <laughs> When we do that in public, people do not understand that it's right. <laughs> Guys, it's a joke. <laughs> My roommate. It's not I that deep, don't worry. We actively threaten each other every day. It's like, guys, it's just a joke. She's my roommate. I live with her. It's fine. We have this whole thing going on. We're at night. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> not me in my sleep. <laughs> Um, so earlier you were talking about how I think which was really great and I've never really heard it being spoken about in that way about how sex isn't a stage itself but it kind of just comes along into the mix and it could be thrown into the mix earlier on or later on or it, it just depends on the couple and the relationship and the circumstances. Do you think there's a pressure on sex life and having an active sex life and how do you think like this can affect a relationship or getting to know someone oh my god absolutely I think in college especially like tying back to hookup culture it's almost like expected that everybody has an active sex life and I know that that puts a pressure on people who feel like oh my god I'm this age and I haven't lost my virginity and you can say virginity is a social construct as many times as you want and it is but it's harder to internalize that when you've been taught the opposite your entire life. So I think, yes, there is a pressure to lose your virginity and to have this sex life. But also I think that at the end of the day, sex is something that should always be fun and having sex with someone just to get it out of the way or having sex just to have sex with someone you don't think it's going to be fun with is kind of pointless to me. But I know people have very personal and nuanced opinions on that. So not to speak for anybody else. Um, But I think sex has an incredible impact on a relationship where it's one of those things. Now, this is going to sound really stupid and I don't remember who said it, but I know it's some pop culture figure, but he said like having money isn't everything, but not having money is everything. And I think that that kind of applies to sex in a relationship where if you're in a relationship where sex is part of it, it's not every aspect of the relationship, 
But if you're in a relationship that's not actively having sex, where it's something that you guys haven't talked about or made a decision about, like not the people who are actively waiting for marriage or who have decided that sex isn't something they want at that stage in their life, but the people who are like, ooh, are we going to have sex yet? Like, when are we going to have sex? When is it the right time to have time for sex? Like, that is all that you can think about. That is the only thing that matters in that relationship at that moment. So I think for a lot of people, it's just this, this incredible, overwhelming anxiety of, have I lost my virginity yet? Should I have sex with this person yet? Are we in a stage where I should do that yet? I just met this guy at a party and he looks cool. Is he going to think I'm a whore if I have sex with him tonight? Like all of these different pressures around how choosing whether or not to have sex with someone impacts your own personal identity is I think the problem because at the end of the day, we tie sex very closely to our identity as people, right? You're a virgin or you're not a virgin or you're gay or you're straight or you're a whore, you're a prude, that there's all these words that we use to define the extent to which we have sex and who we have sex with. And I think that that's an aspect of hookup culture that I don't entirely despise is this idea of like removing sex from identity in the sense that like you can have sex with whoever you want, whenever you want. And as long as you're happy and consenting and it's healthy and safe, that's fine. And I do I do believe in that, but I think for a lot of people, it is tied to an emotional connection that puts a strain on relationships when it's not addressed. And I think there's also this, like, this stigma that you talked about, like, the emotional aspect that, like, women are more likely to be more attached after having sex versus a man. And also the idea of, like, whether you're a virgin or not, feeling pressured to have sex or not. I think we should also normalize not just losing your virginity, but also having sex with a straight, like a different person for the first time. I have a friend who she's been dating a guy and she's not a virgin, but she was like, it's normal for the first time for you to have sex with a, with a different guy to be like horrible. Like that's, I feel like (laughs) normalize that. Like that's totally normal. It doesn't have to be great sex just because you're not a virgin. It's just, you don't know that person. You don't know how they work. You don't know what they like. You're kind of figuring out that stuff along the way. And I feel like that should be normalized. A hundred percent. I had a, a friend once who was worried because she was a virgin and the person that she was going to have sex with had an active sexual history before her. And the running line that we kept repeating to her was like, it's his first time with you, right? Like it might not be his first time ever, but it's his first time with you. And that's his own unique individual experience. And I think that that you're totally right that we don't talk about that enough. And that's incredibly influential in the way that we handle like relationships and emotional commitments. Yeah. So I think (laughs) those are all the questions that we had for you, but if you'd like to make any more comments about the column or dating or love or whatever in general, um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I think the only thing I have to say is like, if you have questions about things like this, um, ask them. Right. Like it doesn't have to be me. It can be your friends. It can be anybody that you trust. But things like dating and sex get a million times more painful and anxiety inducing when you don't talk about them. So like reach out to people that you're close with or that you care about or reach out to me on the call and I'll be happy to start a conversation with you back. But it's healthy to have an open dialogue about things like sex and love. And that's something that society is starting to normalize and that we need to continue normalizing as a culture, especially as college students, we deal 
more closely with things like hookup culture and pressure to have sex and all of these other things tying into each other. Um, but that's my last little hoorah. Thank you guys so much for having me on the podcast today. It has been an absolute pleasure. Yeah. And if anyone has any questions, don't be afraid to ask Em. <laughs> um, and thank you, Emily, so much for coming on to the podcast today and talking to us and giving us a little crash course on dating. Um, <laughs> and it was a pleasure having you on the podcast. So thank you. Yeah, of course. Thank you, guys. This has been Retrospect. Special thanks to our guest, Emily Ellis, for joining us and giving us exclusive live dating advice for our listeners. Don't forget to submit any questions you have on love, relationships, and sex to Emily's column to the email opinions at FordhamObserver.com. Thanks to all the listeners who tuned in today and let us know if you have any episode ideas that you would like to request. We hope you've all been having a spectacular spring so far. And until next time, I'm Diana Silva, and this has been Retrospect.